0: All right, welcome to another episode of Friends from Work. This is a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's hosted by me, Kyle Sconowell, and him, Robbie Earle. And you know what, guys? Today is a special day because <laughs> we don't get very many of these, and we get so stoked for the initial reactions episodes. I first want to say welcome to our 19... 19- 50s speakeasy yeah. vibe, if
1: you will. <laughs> 50s, 60s, little
0: 70s. From this camera over here, a little bit looks like I'm interrogating you, like
1: you know, like the one <laughs> light over your head, black. But well, but with the the curtains behind <laughs> you are very WandaVision, vision, yes. which is
0: fitting. Yeah, you know, yeah.
1: for the composer of the night, we'll get to that.
0: Christoph Beck. Uh, if you're just finding this podcast. I got to give you a couple disclaimers off the top just so we can get into this right away. Well, first of all, let me say, I freaking loved it. I freaking loved it. And I can't wait to talk about it. Um, so this is one of our initial reactions episodes, which means it is truly that Robbie and I walked out of the theater like an hour and a half ago. It's 11 o'clock Pacific time, 1am our body's time. Oh, uh, I got, up, yeah. I got up at four thirty for my flight, but I am still stoked to be here because I love it that much. Um, But we try not to talk about the film at all En route back to our hotel. All we did was go straight back, get some food, get some water, and then dive in because we want this to be as visceral and as truly our initial reactions episode as possible. Right. The second thing is I just got to always give the reminder to people that we also, because of that, outside of just hearing a few other people talk on the way out of the screener Mm – we are in Los Angeles and we didn't get a chance to check with anybody else's review. So this is as fresh as it gets. And maybe we're going to say something that, <laughs> you know, two weeks from now when everyone else out there is seeing this film, yeah. maybe we look stupid, but usually we err on the side of, we love it and we yeah. loved it. And yeah. you know what? If I look stupid for that reason, so sue me. So anyways, welcome. I'm excited cool. to have you here. I'm excited to talk about A man and the Wasp.
1: Yeah. Man, I I get so excited for these episodes as well. We started this podcast talking about all the movies in the Infinity Saga um, in the, in the kind of year-and-a-half break we had between Endgame and WandaVision. And it's so fun because, it, you know, so much of Phase 4 has been kind of these little pieces coming together, and there have been some complaints about that being... Not enough, you know, momentum in one direction. Mm-hmm. But I, I think regardless, people have been looking at this this movie as the start of, mm-hmm. of kind of a new trajectory. Like in the same way that we can now look back at the Infinity Saga and see how it was. At, at least, you know, they were able to retroactively make it move towards the point of, of Thanos and Infinity War. Um We've been told that this would be that for the multiverse saga, mm-hmm. you know, with with Kang, and then eventually uh, with Secret Wars. And let's go, man! I like <laughs> this is uh, yeah. I mean, th- this is the most fun I've I've had at a Marvel movie in a while. Like, I left. I, I was sitting there thinking. I was sitting there thinking, like, I this in terms of my theater experience, and it was not because of the people <laughs> with us.
0: And by the way, this is Robbie having fun at the theater.
1: <laughs>
0: this is me having fun at the theater, dude. I love this music. Are you hearing this? Oh, that looks so cool! Wow, the visuals a lot, lot better there than I thought from the trailer. This is Robbie. <laughs> so that's him having a lot of fun.
1: I'm a Sphinx. Uh, <laughs> I I truly, I think it's the most fun I've had at, at the theater since the Infinity Saga. I mean, like, I, and look, I, again, I, I know that there are, like, I, I know <laughs> there are people out there with their No Way Home pitchforks. I just, I... That, we've talked about that. Like, I, I Spider-Man is, is my ride-or-die since I was four years old. There's a lot that goes into that. It's complicated. It's messy like any relationship. Ant-Man, I didn't come in with a ton of expectations, although I was excited about kind of where we were heading. And first and foremost, I have long been a Jonathan Majors fan and was really excited to kind of get, get to see him take the full spotlight.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but other than that, I was just kind of there for the ride, and man, it was just, it was a blast. It was so fun. I'm really excited to dive in. Okay, so two last disclaimers before we dive in. One,
0: I looked at you mid-credits and just said, like, I know we're not supposed to talk about this yet, but I just need you to know I freaking loved that. <laughs> I loved it. If I didn't make it clear throughout the film, which I'm not talking the whole time, but.
1: No, 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 no.
0: A couple lines yeah, here and there. Yeah, yeah. The second thing is, and has nothing to do with this, we have a really exciting potential announcement on the Friends from Work side and how it, you know, regards to a couple other different films and what that could look like. Right. But since we're so excited about Ant-Man, we'll get to it at the end of the episode. So if you're a true Friends from Work truther, Mm -hmm. if you make it to the end of the episode, we have some fun stuff we're going to talk about there. Um, That's my two disclaimers. Let's get into it because. I think that sometimes making a film that is just fun, like there's no other word for it, is actually, I think, sometimes hard in our culture. Yeah. And as we were walking out, like I was so stoked. We're in L.A., <laughs> like film critic world. Right. And there were just a few people that were a little bit unimpressed, which blew my right. mind because I had just had so much fun. And I said to you, I don't even want to hear this. Like, I don't want this to bias me. And also, like, I don't want them to take away my fun. So we're just going to walk past. And uh, so if I kind of lean into ripping into those critics at all, (laughs) just know, listener out there, if you didn't like this film, that's okay. I'm not talking directly to you. I'm talking to a very specific brand of people. But I have to say that I was – Kind of disappointed here that some people on the way out were like, "eh." I
1: was like, "really? That was eh for you? Yeah, that
0: was so much fun for me." So again, you're allowed to dislike it, but that's my last disclaimer. Well, Let's
1: go. it's funny because you, you and I both used to live in Nashville. You still live in Nashville, and we compared it on the way home to going to see a show in, in Nashville. Nashville, which is like Tough. famously. I mean, I, I like we've both played shows in Nashville, and it is like on the other side of it because. Everyone sitting there is not they're not there as as fans coming to see the show. They're there as peers kind of coming to evaluate you, which is what it is, you know, when you go to these screeners in, in LA. Uh but I the fun thing for me. Oh, uh, I loved it so much. Is I I, I just, <laughs> and I'm not forcing it, I just loved it. So I okay, I, I wanna there's there's gonna be so much to talk about, and I want to make sure that we that we <laughs> cover this in a timely uh in, in respectful way to our listeners. But I was just sitting there thinking about the different movies that have come out, particularly in in, in the last year. Uh you know, in, in Wakanda Forever is such a unique project. And we talked mm-hmm. about that a good bit. Oh yeah. Um and it's so different from any other any other phase four, or really any other Marvel movie period, that I, I don't even really want to address it. Here I'm more looking at like Love and Thunder and Multiverse of Madness as kind of being more tonally similar to this. I feel like having similar buildup, um, both kind of leaning into comedy at certain points. And both of those films I watched thinking, I'm having a lot of fun. This is like, especially Multiverse of Madness, but in both, in both movies, this is really goofy. This is a really like kind of dramatic swing and I really love it, but I also understand why people would not. And I did not ever feel that way in no, this movie.
0: it's the only people I think are going to be the, like, oh, I'm a critic and this is below me. Like, I don't watch films like this. Like, <laughs> this was so dumb. Like, that's the only people I think that don't yeah. like that. Um, You know, what's interesting is, as you're saying that, I think that that's that's just this is hitting me right now. Like so much of Phase Four was amazing, but it was the we're working through grief, like that side of it. Like, right? When's the last time we went to a film that was just strictly kind of for fun?
1: Yeah, like this.
0: Yeah. This for a lot of reasons felt like Guardians of the Galaxy One almost, like just like a fun time at the theater. Like Spider Man, yeah. I yeah. loved the theater. I'm not. I don't. This is not better than knowing right. home for me, but like even no way home is so much of it is like Peter reflecting on things. This was like, just kind of like a fun time at the movies.
1: Um, anyways, no, I, I think, I think, and I'm not saying it's better than no way home. I think that it was just like, for me, yeah, you're right. It was a, it was a, it felt like it felt to me like I was back in some of the best parts of the infinity saga in terms of just like the, the pacing of it like it felt so sure of itself to me. yeah, sure. you know like if, if there oh, yeah. were, like there were things about about no way home initially that I just had to sit with in terms of what they were what they were trying to do with the mythology. and you know again, it just it it, it took more to process. but here, it just reminded me like we were talking about this before the before the movie. And I was thinking back to the way I felt when I would leave a movie like Civil War, which is heavier in certain ways than than this was. Although this movie had its, you know, like I don't want to paint it as pure popcorn because sure. it, it wasn't that necessarily. Although I did eat a lot of popcorn. Uh, yeah, same. same. <laughs> they
0: gave us a free concession and I put a lot of butter on that bad boy. It's it's,
1: it's like – I'm feeling it right now. <laughs> they, it just – I don't know. It's, it's, It felt like – There are a lot of things critically that I'm excited to get to before we dive into that stuff, because there are a lot of folks that I I think just turned in incredible work for this. I wanna talk about some of the kind of obvious, like we had a massive character introduced here, but we also had some, I thought, pretty big moments from existing characters and some changes, like you were saying, from the existing Mm -hmm. franchise that we've known for Ant-Man. Uh and I mean so
0: Let, let's start just strictly plot-wise in the MCU.
1: Yeah. First off, I'm gonna okay, I wanna throw a curveball here because the easy answer is Kang, right? I get it. I love Jonathan Majors and and I have I, I've been such a fan of his for a bit now and, and was so thrilled whenever mm-hmm. he had the incredible performance he did in Loki. Um, but I want to put a pin in that for a second. Uh, or Sorry, the thing that I can't stop thinking about yeah. uh, is the way that this movie lifted up the OG Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, like Hank Pym. Yes, Hank and Janet. And I was just... I loved it. Like the big moment at the end coming Dude, from Hank. I, it was so because, okay, we were talking about this as as we were getting ready for the movie. Like Hank is introduced in the first movie as already kind of being like an old guy and being retired. And he has to have Scott come in because he can't really use the suit anymore. And then he's sort of in the same role in Ant-Man and the Wasp more or less. Like we see him go into the quantum realm, but he just kind of goes in there and finds Janet. and She saves him and they come back. And I don't there was know. A,
0: there was an interesting line, by the way, on that, on that exact thing. Cause remember he like is losing his mind in Ant-Man and the Wasp and sorry, this is yeah, like yeah, yeah. in the actual story I'm saying, but right. they said something like we should be dying. Why aren't we dying? Did you catch that? Because there was like an actual in-universe explanation. Oh, yeah. Sorry that I'm just missing this now. Yeah. But th- I thought that was interesting because they were walking around the quantum realm without losing their mind. And like that was the whole point of Hank not oh, being able to go right, back in anymore right. is like he can't handle it. Remember?
1: Anyways. Is the they idea was something that,
0: that, that Kang was, was doing? Was keeping them alive or something to get to Janet maybe? Gosh. Yeah. I'm trying to remember that. But yes. Yeah. To have fun. the redemption there. And then we're going to do this in our second section of this podcast. But right. I thought in general – Michelle Pfeiffer was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I so mean, like her performance was a standout compared to I think even the rest of the cast. Right. Um, but to make her character just be like this person who need who needed to be rescued yeah. in the second movie yeah. to actually she was like a badass in this quantum realm and had like all this other backstory of stuff yeah. she
1: was doing was really clever. Oh, yeah. So you're yeah, right.
0: Mean, to bring it back to them too is was, wild.
1: It was so like and and that's why I think for for people to say if that, if that is the message that it's out of left field or, or that this feels disconnected from the others, I feel like this is an honoring of, of characters that seem to be kind of perfunctory in the, in the first two. Like I, I thought, yes. especially Janet, I, yeah. I had zero interest in Janet as a character at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp. That's totally fair. Like I just didn't, there was nothing for me to latch onto and then, like, the version of Janet that we got in this movie was, like, it not totally different in that it didn't – like, it didn't fit. Like, I saw the connectivity, and that's where I think this movie was genius is, is – and I'll talk about this over and over again. The way that I thought it, it connected to the prior Ant-Man films and even to the just prior appearances of Ant-Man in sure. other films. But also, like, built upon – and that's why, like, when you, when you say that this has that Ragnarok effect yes. – It's like what I love about Ragnarok is, yes, it does all this news stuff, and tonally it's so different, and you go to different places. But then you get that end scene where it's Thor walking to the throne, and you get the same theme that plays from the Patrick Doyle score from the first film, and it calls back to the very first scene you saw with Thor. And it's like, yes, Taika is doing a new thing, but not in a way that is dismissive of the prior films. It's in a way that's actually incorporating— —and building upon. Yeah, it it is additive. And I feel like this was that even even more so in that, you know, obviously Peyton Reed is familiar with his own work here, Mm -hmm. and I think that it's really— that is, to me, I know that, like, again, the headline out of this that we're about to get to is the King stuff— but what I thought was particularly impressive from the Ant-Man side, you know, like when we were prepping for this, we we interviewed Al Ewing, uh, who just wrote this a- incredible Ant-Man four-part miniseries, kind of going through the history of the character in the comics, and the character originally was Hank Pym. I mean, in the '60s, it was a founding Avenger, and. Mm. And you know now it's like by the time we we got to Ant Man in the MCU, which he pointed out how much he
0: liked what Michael Douglas was doing as Hank Pym.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I feel like I would be fascinated to talk yeah, to now, him now. Yeah, after, yeah, yeah. but yeah, I just I don't know. I I I loved that. I feel like that shows a respect for those characters and those performers. And that moment when Hank shows up with the Ant Army, I just thought it, was like pretty
0: dope. It was so cool. The the first like explanation of them like building like a whole advanced civilization was right. a little bit goofy, but I think that's one of the things the movie did so well was like all the parts that were it's almost like again, it almost was like She-Hulk in that the movie was so self-aware.
1: Yeah. Like the way yeah. they're
0: able to poke fun of Darren.
1: Right. Oh while yeah. still yeah. having yeah. it like
0: work weirdly, right. like working in to be a Modoc thing, which yeah. like
1: Okay, well, so that's perfect because but again, the self awareness
0: though is yeah. like they're they're saying like yeah, the ants are going to save the day. We get that it's kind of ridiculous, yeah, but then it ends up being actually like really cool.
1: So i I want to because you brought it up quickly, and I I know again we need to get to King stuff, but I also want to talk about Modoc because yes, like talking about that like additive, like it, what I think often happens with some of these franchise that franchises that truly feel disjointed is you maybe have a new team come on or, like, maybe it's the same team but they're so afraid of something that they associate with failure from a prior film that they almost just ignore it, which is destructive in the realm of Marvel that's so built on continuity. And that was always, you know, like, for the longest time, we even we have talked about how Marvel would kind of, like, have these one-off villains and then they, they show up and they get out and... And we joked about how Darren Cross was like the epitome of like a terrible villain. Like he, his his motivations were like so paper thin, and like he, just, he replicates
0: like, the exact same tech as the hero. Right. And I like this was so different. I was, mean, like
1: man, it was I, to me it was perfect in a, in a couple ways. One, <laughs> I'm an Avenger now.
0: <laughs> at least yes, I know I Avenger,
1: yeah.
0: you're one of the team. Yep. <laughs> And then he goes, it's, a lot happened today when he dies. <laughs> have, I love, it's too late. I'm a dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's never too late to stop being a dick. I just... It I, ha- oh, oh, dude, yeah. I, f- I feel like, again... Even the humor works for me. The, oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, the, it, it, it was additive again and that it goes back and, and, and like, mines that original film and kind of expands its its consequences, which I, like... I love that because you do always... Like, I wondered, even my last time watching A-Man, not thinking about, like, the the possible reappearances, which there are rumors about with Corey Stoll, but, like, the... I was just thinking, yeah, he, he does. Like, we see Scott go to the quantum realm when he shrinks between the molecules. <clears throat> we see right. Janet do the same thing. Like, he doesn't
0: actually technically die.
1: Yeah. and And I like that they, like... It doesn't feel like a retcon. It feels like an actual... Yeah, like he would have wound up in the quantum realm, but we also saw him like sh- shrink up. Yep. So yeah, he would be... All, but I... It, the other side of that to me... And this is always interesting because I know like with Black Widow, uh, there was so much pushback about the way that they introduced Taskmaster. Okay. And... Not from us, by the way. Right. And I never really as a as a you know comics reader that has read plenty of of comics with Taskmaster, i I didn't have a real problem with that because I feel like it's a it's a character that has shown up in a lot of the things that I think people associate with that character have have already kind of been done to death in other franchises anyway. People can I, I'm curious to hear if people agree or disagree, I guess. but regardless, Modoc, we've had like the Modoc show uh, with Patton Oswald. We've we like it's a it's a jokey character, right?
0: It yeah.
1: It, it's it's like and I know that like whenever how can
0: that fit in a normal right. MCU film?
1: And I saw Jeff Loveness <laughs> in an interview saying that the Modok stuff is what he wound up being most proud of here, that he was most excited about the contribution. And I was so curious like how could was, that be? <laughs> right. Well, and, and there was initially some pushback because I think some images of him with the mask on had leaked, and of course all the comics people, which I, I'm, like, one of, but I just don't get angry about these things. But everyone was like, oh, my gosh, look what they're doing. Like, this is this is what the MCU does. They take a comic design and, and take it into this, like, ridiculous, dumb robot thing. And I, again, and Marvel has it, like, the MCU has a tendency of doing this really well, I think, is it's like this bait-and-switch where... People get all revved up over nothing, and then it comes out, and <laughs> they did the MODOK design, just, like, the massive face with, like, the baby arms and feet and made with it, some like... some
0: really funny parts. I mean, like... It... Man. I can't remember them all off the top of my head right now with it being this <laughs> fresh, but, like, I laughed a decent amount of times at that. Face to face. Yeah, it kept working for me. Okay, uh, before we keep going into more shout-outs... Yes, On the actual uh, story front.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, You were talking about it finally being like a setup and like things starting to happen. I mean, the post-credit scenes, it's starting to happen. Yeah. We talked so many times, I think, during the Multiverse of Madness prep about incursions, which we heard again, that word here. Uh So, you know, hot button topic here. And then – uh, we talked about the like the Council of Reeds and like what that could look like. So to kind of see like yeah. him calling all of the Kangs together at the end felt like a kind of shout out to that too. Oh yeah. So again, my knowledge on that stuff is only from what you tell me, but it was kind of cool to see that's happening. And I and yeah. I think that's what makes this again. That's what makes this particular phase kind of unique and fun in a different way is that mm-hmm. like I'm not leaving the theater going necessarily I'm not thinking like who would win Thanos with infinity stones versus Ken right I think to, just to, to not try to top that but do something entirely different about this yeah. guy who was a human but has seen all of time and is like outside of time and how that's different and doesn't yeah. have like an all-powerful infinity stone and and can be stopped this one right by an ant-man or a giant man but then like this idea of like, well, what if there's like a hundred million more of them right. that are all different in a different way? I don't know. On yeah. the actual MCU front, I'm just getting this out of the way. Cause I, yeah, I yeah. we don't want to be the people either that like, uh, you know, are always just looking forward to the next thing. Right. I um, love this film, but like, it's kind of crazy and fun to think about well, this well, this is that a, building yes. for the next four years or so Yeah, with that being the idea. And and my mind's already racing about, yeah. like, how can you stop that? Or what do you do to stop
1: it, you know? I, no, I, I like, to me, it's, it's such a perfect, the, the way that they've, the way they've done this, and, and I wasn't sure how they were going to do Kang, uh, and, you know, we'll still see, right? Because there are all these other variants that we haven't even really seen, like, how they fight or what they're, you know, like... The the character we saw is like King the Conqueror, like the villain that we typically see. Within. That was
0: cast out,
1: yes, by yeah. the other Kangs yeah. or whoever. Well, but I just mean like in the comics. If you like, or if you go to Google and 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 type in King the Conqueror, the character design will reflect a largely okay, like that one, what yeah, we yeah, saw sure in the movie. Yeah. Whereas like the the versions we saw in the in the post credit scenes were all different, and so I'm not sure like. I mean, we'll have to, yeah, I mean, we'll have to talk about... And they're
0: casting him out to the Quantum
1: Realm. Right. What does that mean? Well, and, I mean, yeah, because he was the exile. Because the Quantum Realm's out of time, I guess. Outside of time. And so, I mean, I I just got, I've been kind of going through this Phase 4 rewatch and got really lucky in that I finished Loki right before this, and I feel like, Obviously, I expected there to be some tie, but technically, uh, I mean, the the closest connection that we've ever gotten from, like, Disney Plus to film was Multiverse of Madness. And, like, we got, like, the little WandaVision jingle, and then we got the kids coming back, which was big. But this is, like, a step beyond, and then, I mean, like, we saw, like, all the same kind of animations in terms of the way that the the like each timeline is visualized. And the post-credit
0: scene of Loki season two. Yeah, you know, no, yeah. Which is a straight
1: That's the craziest in. thing. Yeah, I mean like going that way. Yeah, where it's like Yeah, you're gonna have to now watch the show right. after seeing this. Well, and and that's the first time that like really like if you saw that post-credit scene and you hadn't seen Loki, you would be like, Who is this? Yeah, like I know I did like why is Owen Wilson with a mustache here. And I, so I love that, but I, like, it's fascinating to think about where they're going from here because, like, the version of King that we got seems so quintessential, like, in, in terms of, like.
0: That was the one you were picturing.
1: Yeah. So I don't know if that's, I don't, I don't know if that version is, like, for sure, for sure, for sure gone necessarily. Yeah.
0: Or, or is there one that's, like, the only variant is that. His eyes right. are brown, right? <laughs> right? And it's the same right. King the Conqueror or whatever that rises or whatever. Right. And then, like, how that how, I mean, how does that fit in with He Who Remains? Because, like, the whole point of He right. Who Remains was that he was the one that wrangled all of those.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like,
0: he was the one that got out of that.
1: Right. And canceled them and all of
0: wow. And made one timeline. Yeah. Which is even trippy to start talking about because. That's outside of time, but like this is a version right now we're watching that currently does have all the branches, right. and they're trying to stop this one from doing it. But somewhere out there, one of them did it.
1: Well, and what is the? You know what I'm saying, <laughs> and what is the end? Like, he
0: he keeps saying he's seen the ending.
1: Yeah, yeah. Is it he who remains? I don't think so. I think he's. I think he's pointing to secret wars, and that's where it's like because I I think. So in the in the comics. And and when we say secret wars that, you know, that's the, the final of the
0: multiverses clashing.
1: Right. And that's a, it's a, that will be the the title of the final Avengers film of this saga. And it's the title of a, of a big event, which we're reading a bunch of comics that culminate in on the French from work plus comics corner. Sign Uh, up, sign up. So if you're curious, we have a Patreon with a lot of fun comics content, a lot of other content as well. Um, I would. This is a great time to do it because we're just kicking off that reading, uh, and I did not realize uh, how much we would kind of immediately be talking about it. Talking about it here, uh, but in the comics, and I won't go into this for too long. But it's like that you have these kind of Hickman's real high sci-fi, and you have these like really so was this like these like really high high level alien, even kind of beyond alien beings like metaphysical beings that are creating this kind of artificial death of the multiverse where it's like each, each universe is, is clashing. That's an oversimplification and not even like strictly speaking correct, but it doesn't, for my purposes, that's what's going on in the comics. But I've been curious to see how they would do that here. And I think what we're getting is that in the place of that, we have the kings, so, rather than kind of going through the the massive like scope of the Jonathan Hickman space opera, I think we're we're going to be getting these universes all colliding and these incursions that we talked about in Multiverse Madness happening because of the Kings, which then makes sense when we can get to like King Dynasty first and then to Secret Wars. The only other thoughts I had, like quickly, and then I'm curious to hear more because we haven't talked that much about the Kang representation here, but one thing I I loved is what you were saying a second ago, in that he's like, the difference between him and, and Thanos is he's he is just a human, but he's super smart. He's from the future. And so we see all that play out, which I, which I thought was brilliantly done. And the way that he and Janet kind of interact and partner, I thought was very believable. But my favorite Kang scene was the final fight with him and Scott because it's like, there's something about like, we talk about the brutality of those Thanos scenes. Yes. And I loved that. Like he's not super powered. Like he's not using any powers when he's beating up Scott. It's just like this, like cold, like violent
0: which is the way i always want it by the way when i talk about those like how they can depict it yeah. as far as like thank you for like messing up scott's face and having yeah him, like have blood pouring out of his face well and it's like thank I, I, you
1: <laughs> i don't need like i don't need kang to hit him and for him to fly across the room and go through three walls i don't need black adam
0: yes yeah like i
1: <laughs> i just i liked it was, it was two guy it was two guys and kang is fighting and he's for, huge
0: in real life so yeah. like he's just physically going to
1: Punch you your brains. I mean he's he's gonna be fighting Michael B. Jordan in the match of the century uh, in a couple months. But I like he I love that it was just it was like the the a contest of wills, you know, like Kang was desperate to get back to his empire and and Scott's desperate to get back to his daughter.
0: Yes there was a little bit of a daredevil feel there where it's yes. like, Scott just keeps yeah. getting up regardless. Like, and then a little bit of like a doctor strange one with like, I don't have to win, but I just have to lose with you. Like we have to keep losing, yes. you know, basically. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: well- and that he's willing to do that. And by the way, just the practicalness of that yeah. for a second, like the way Scott, that, that attack where he like turned into giant man, mid mid punch uh-huh. and then smashed him against the wall was, 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 super dope. oh yeah yeah I mean, super yeah. cool on how they depicted that uh, on the okay before we get into more shout outs on things i like yeah, yeah on just the actual character front i you brought up hank pym and the way that they gave him a moment yes i was just thinking about how i love that they really gave all four of them like moments like yeah. real moments yeah. like i thought janet Getting, again, that backstory, but then getting that moment where she kind of knows more than everyone else uh-huh. and, like, the the backstory with her and, and Kang and how that came to be was actually, I thought, amazing and how she then stood up to him. And that was cool. Like, yeah. blew it up. Yeah. Like, from his, you know, from his grasp. Yeah. I thought that was cool. And then obviously Hank has that moment at the end with the ants, but like Scott had multiple moments there, like that fight, the giant man thing, but then also the actual brutality of just taking those punches and getting back up kind of thing. And then they like Hope got a lot of cool moments. How she came back with like the theme blaring and Dude. saving the day there. She also came in in that crazy whatever multiple Scott yeah, realm yeah. And, and saved him there. Probability storm. Probability storm. Exactly. So and then Cassie had a couple cool moments where it's like where she's rallying the troops like Captain America style, yes. and then the don't be a dick line. Like she had some cool, cool. moments too. And then actually, her actually. Learning some actual physical powers yeah. as well.
1: One I love. So I like, love
0: they intentionally gave us moments
1: for each yeah. character. Well, Scott and Scott teaching Cassie the same way that Hope taught Scott. You know, like,
0: but just like on the fly because we're yeah. out of
1: time. Yeah, she's like, I know how to do it. He's like, Do you though? Because yeah. I just, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, you didn't look like you knew what you were doing. I just timed <laughs> it wrong.
1: Is what she said. I no, I, th- I thought that like, I felt like. Do you see what I did? You're like
0: this small. <laughs> no, I, didn't I couldn't see what you
1: did. like the the I, you're so right. Everyone, like the hope moment in Was dope. It was so dope. Like I because okay. In that in that moment, I we talked beforehand about whether we thought there was a chance Scott would die. And I did not think he would until that moment with Kang, where I was like, I think King's about to kill Scott. Like which is the thing that we always talk about. Like, can they make me believe? And I really, in that moment, was like, yeah, everyone got back. I think that's This could be it. Yeah. Because it's like. And that could be how, like, Kang is still trapped in
0: there. Yeah. But they right. got out. But and now how, there's, like, this guilt of, like, what do we do
1: about it? And like, right. he
0: knows is happening to people down there, et cetera. I mean, it was like.
1: Yeah, I, he, didn't, like, I didn't.
0: Yeah, I didn't know.
1: I didn't. I, and, and that's what, like, it was such a. Like that's what made that movie so fun to me over and over again. And I, I get how some people can say it's like the it, they're they're playing certain beats, but like that's what I like I think that's what I was feeling when I look when I when I was thinking like this is the first time I felt this way since Endgame. It's like the way I felt, like the the way they queued up like, okay, like hope is lost now, no pun intended, and then here's this. But I never knew quite like I knew that there were players out on the board that we weren't quite seeing. That like I I felt like the ants were coming back at some point, but the way they come back, or like the way that hope comes back, which I didn't I didn't know if anybody was going to come back. I didn't know world. if they
0: could. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know yeah, if it was like a one way
1: portal. And then like in the in the fact that Cassie's the one that uses it, and they explained at the very beginning of the movie that the technology that she had developed would allow them to find someone in the quantum realm. So it was like that didn't feel cheap to me like it wasn't like like it it, and then the hope like it was this like
0: yeah i'm 100 percent with you that i my favorite movies in the world are the ones that i don't know where it's gonna happen and part i don't know what's gonna happen sorry or where but uh part of that too like the challenge of phase four is like when you're introducing new characters that are going to be legacy characters Part of the challenge is you know the stakes aren't that they're going to die. Like you're watching Shang-Chi. You're not thinking to yourself, oh, man, I, he, I hope he right. makes it because right. we're not going to start this character and end him in the first movie. That's a really good point. But when we get to these legacy characters that are on there, like with Thor, I didn't know. I didn't yeah. know if they were actually going to end his character. And same here. Same with Guardians when that rolls around right. in a few months. But that is one thing I, I – crave a little bit. I I had so much fun today cause like I'm having fun. It's I'm laughing. It's so cool to watch. I'm just loving being in the theater. But then also I don't know how this is going. Like yeah. I don't, I don't know how it's going to end. I don't know where it's going. Um, even plot wise, I don't know enough about the characters to predict where it's going. So I just, I love not knowing. And yeah. that was, it was a fun payoff there. I last thing before we get into more shout outs, um, they did this so well with Thanos, but they're doing it again here so well. I love the way they build the dread. Yeah. And that's one of the fun things about having a long running villain is like, you know, they tried to do that with like Gore, the God butcher, but there's only so much time. If you know, you're going to end him in the same film, but the way like from that conversation in Loki, which felt like really not threatening. Remember? Like he's literally just sitting there and he's the one that's like, you can kill me if you want to. I'm tired of this. Um, Yeah, it's very not threatening. But then the way he says, see you soon. And like winks at her. uh, Sylvie, that is Um, the whole like first I don't have a timer, but 30 minutes of this movie where it's like every time they mention it's like he or him or yeah, Yeah. you don't want to anger him or he's still looking for her. He'll get her. You can't avoid him like all this like and you're just kind of like you we know as the audience but like the yeah. anticipation's building and then honestly like i even love the way they're handling that postgrad scene the way loki talks about him where loki's like you know owen wilson goes oh i thought you said he was a menacing character and he's like he is and like they're building it up it's it's almost like the way you know they do with kingpin
1: right but yeah. in this yeah. case
0: i liked what we actually saw too but yeah. like like yeah i guess like the actual entrance of him lived up to the hype they built, but I still appreciated the dread they built.
1: And yeah, man. Okay. Two things there. One, I think that I'm, I'm so glad you brought up love and thunder in that respect, because that's one of the, one of the, the weaknesses I thought Gore needs more time. Well, more time, but also more, more dread. Like you were saying, like one of the things about the Jason Aaron comics that inspired that movie that I thought, was so effective is the way that you have this character in the background that's like oh, you you find all the murder scenes and you see Thor getting you're, afraid yeah
0: okay okay yeah. and you're like
1: what is who who would make Thor afraid and then and then it's Gore but you have time to like and that's what this movie did really well that I thought Love and Thunder by giving us Gore's backstory right off the bat like which we liked but it did remove that. Right, and, and and I think Tyga did that for different reasons, and 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 I think that those worked well for what he was trying to do. Okay, Thor apologist, but but, <laughs> but here I think that they they cut like they cut off that 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 pre scene at just the right amount of time.
0: Love and Thunder is <laughs> becoming our new dark world where we have to work it in. You're <laughs> I
1: know there's all. I'm actually grateful that Love and Thunder got mixed reviews because it gives me another Thor movie to defend. I'm grateful
0: because <laughs> now I know what I must do. That's true. I will shred this
1: universe. <laughs> Down to the <laughs> last atom. But, uh, but no, here, like, what I loved is that we got just that first glimpse of Kang as, like, a really vulnerable kind of, like, shipwrecked traveler. And then, and you know, like you said, like, we know that's what we're coming back to. But it feels like, it it feels so earned when we finally get it. And then what I loved is... It's, he, like I said, he brings the same kind of brutality that Thanos brought. But one thing that I. Without being a Titan. Well, and, and, you know, like Thanos had this, like, I'm so powerful. I don't even need to really show it. Like, you know, like when you go back even to Guardians, right? Like the whole. It was very much like Vader. Yes. Yeah. It's like, and and the whole thing of like, I'm going to wait and have other people do things for me, but. It's almost
0: like a power play on purpose.
1: Yeah. But Kang, he's a human and he has a temper and he's like – And that's what we were supposed to pick up with the suit, right? Like yes. all the stuff yeah. he was
0: doing was the tech he had developed right. like Tony Stark. Right. And it wasn't like he was extra strong to hold that, you know, from the answer. Right. Her. Because then I think that was the point of like his, shoot, his suit shorted out, right? Mm-hmm. And then it was just a punching match.
1: And, and that's why Janna was like, once he had his suit again, you know, even though he couldn't use his ship, he was back to okay, this, yeah, yeah. like— And Just it, yeah. wanted to
0: make sure that I was saying that correctly. Yeah,
1: I mean, it would be—yeah, it would be like—and I even noticed some of the things he did looked like repulsor rays. And I kind of—I love that because—
0: There's a comics history there, too.
1: Well, 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 Kang is, again, like Kang is from, like, the 31st century, like, Earth. Like, he's a human from Earth, and so he would have— he would be able to build upon past Avengers technology. And he would be like, he's not like Thanos where he's from some like distant planet and has come into contact with the Avengers. Like the Avengers would be his history. Sure. And so I like that again, there are these like subtle but meaningful differences, but I just like that. Like with Thanos, it was, it was like, he was nearly invincible just as a person. Correct. Correct. Whereas like King, basically
0: what the Russos say, his skin was like impenetrable. Yeah,
1: and then and, you know he can beat down the Hulk. Whereas like, if King doesn't have his armor on, the Hulk could like rip him in half. And I just I I think it's a to have to be able to still build kind of a big bad or you know like infinite big bads, right? But, without it just being a power thing, right? I think is really <clears throat> Black Adam. <laughs> we we gotta <laughs> watch Black Adam on <laughs> Sorry, the plane. If you can't can tell,
0: if you can't, hey, stay tuned for that later. But
1: but like, and that's one thing where like we've talked about, you know, right in the aftermath of Endgame. I'm, I remember you and I talking about Galactus and like these other kind of big, kind of cosmic okay, sure. folks that they could be bringing in as villains. And the fear was always like. Okay, well, do you just go for like? Thanos was the most powerful being in the universe, except for you actually, met like, Galactus. yeah. And then it's like the the Dragon Ball Z. And always then in five years, you'll be like,
0: you met Thanos and you met Galactus, but you haven't <laughs> <Right>. met Lizard. <laughs> Lizard. You haven't met Rhino. <laughs> Wait until you see what Rhino can do. But um, I know what you're saying. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. So I. And so that's why you have to make it different each time. And what what did we say? What did we say after Endgame? We said not only do they have to make it different. The threat different, but you also need to give us some time to feel the effects of what Thanos did, and they've yeah. done both things, which is like we've now yeah. had two years. You know, I don't know how many seven projects reflecting on Thanos, and even here they reference the blip again in this movie still right. in Phase Five, and yet so they gave us the time, and then also give us something. You gotta you gotta go a different route. You yeah. can't just go there's actually infinity stones part 2 like 2.0 right. that are actually stronger and if you get those you know you can't do yeah. that so you got to go something totally different
1: i yeah i love even the way that they they you know again depending on what that means but they did technically beat kang and even that whole little conversation that scott has with himself at the end it's like it's just a different it's a different oh, thing you know because I love like that. in the but it reminded me in the best way of like, the, the beauty of this is if you go back and, and listen to interviews, the Infinity Saga as we know it didn't really start coming together until this, until Phase 2, like until we got into Thor the Dark World. Yep. Here we go. You Thank know, you. the Thank seminal you. film that it was. Uh, <laughs> Conf <Cup> check. <laughs> where, they, where they started going back and saying, okay, actually this was this and we're moving in, this into position and we're moving towards Thanos. We got the little Thanos peak in the Avengers scene. But I think if you go back and listen to Joss Whedon, he he even kind of was just doing that as like a because he's a Marvel Comics fan, sure. um, and even the scene in it talks about kind of courting death, and that's a very classic. Yeah, yeah, right, 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 yeah, yeah. But what I love here is that we're now in a phase where they can they can plan all of it, sure, instead of just going you know like does this movie allow us to get that far? And so like the way that they were able to retroactively. Uh, Imbue the first Avengers film with that kind of meaning for Tony, which was like ever since Avengers one, Tony's been looking over his shoulder for Thanos, and you—that's what makes that final confrontation so like meaningful and terrifying. Yeah, for a
0: drop of blood,
1: because he, and he says that the Strange, like when he's like, "No," for like six years, this guy's been in my brain, and I love that it was totally different. This like, is it. And the way it happens, yeah.
0: Like, he knows what's happening.
1: It's totally different in the way that Kang is dealt with, which I love, and the the threat that he has. Because, like, this Kang technically was beaten by Ant-Man, not even by, like, the Avengers, just by one. But now they're, like, did it actually – did him beating that Kang create a – Bigger what problem. an
0: absolutely genius way to end it too. The Doctor Strange like walking around, same thing. Yeah. You know, like the multiverse of madness. Like I, everything's good, we're happy. But in yeah. Scott's own way, like to do it that way. Yeah. So clever. Like because it's like almost it. It's almost creepy, even though it's totally funny. Yeah. But he's like, I'm pretty sure it doesn't matter, right? No. But then like his acting to right. be like showing that he can't get over it. Like, he's, he's even at the birthday party with his daughter. It's yeah. a sweet moment. But but he's like, I can't enjoy this because. Like, I have this feeling that, like, that wasn't it.
1: And it's – which is the perfect, like, the perfect Ant-Man – like, it's also – there's a self-awareness there, right? Because, like,
0: Ant-Man and the Wasp
1: was this movie that dropped after Infinity War when we were all, like, wanting follow-up on Infinity War. And it's this, like, kind of fun caper through San Francisco that then ends with this heavy dusting scene, you know? And it's, like, they're aware that they've always been, like, the palate cleanser series. Sure. By Marvel's own admission. Sure. And so to now, like, kind of turn that on its head of, like, Scott being like, okay, yeah, like, no, everything's good, right? Like, everything's always good when we're back in the MA movie. Because it's like, yeah, which, that was my, that's the final thing I want to talk about before (laughs) we turn to shout out. By Um, the way,
0: final thing before a break, and then more of this.
1: (laughs) Um, But I I do want to, uh, I I do want to talk a second about Scott Lang, because... My, I felt like this is the first time in a bit that Scott's character was clearly defined. And I, I really appreciated that. Like, I felt kind of the same way in Multiverse of Madness in that, like, Doctor Strange, when he shows up in in other projects, can become a bit of the, like, You know, he's like the character
0: of himself almost. Yeah.
1: Like he's there for other characters to bounce off of. Like he's the sage. He's the, like, he has the all knowing perspective. And Ant-Man was almost the opposite of that in that, like,
0: he's the goofball. He's
1: out of his league, you know, like, but when we were going back through preparing for this, um, you know, you go back and watch the first Ant-Man and there is a big emphasis on like, he's a really smart engineer. Like he's this master thief, like, there are these things that make Scott, Scott. And how fun to have Kang actually be like, you're a good
0: burglar, yes, right? Yes. you got to figure this out.
1: Like all this stuff where it's like, they they touch back on like these different experiences Scott's had. Like we have different references to like- Him being in jail. Yeah, like you, this is, you're the guy that flew to Germany to fight Captain America, to fight with Captain America. I'm not stupid. I would never fight Captain America. But it's like, they go back through and show these things that have kind of carved out like the sorts of things that- Scott stands for. You read my book. Right. I read every GD <laughs>
0: word.
1: <laughs> and I, so I like, I loved that we saw like these things that they, they set out as, as Scott in the first movie, which were largely like, he's this guy that kind of takes issue with, with power to some degree. Uh-huh. He's like the master thief again. Like he's got this understanding of like the the sort of, like, techie burglar that he is that leads him to be this person that Kang essentially, like, I guess, conscripts, but kind of hires into going to steal this thing. But also, like, the father component and the scenes we get with him and Cassie that mirror so much of the first film. Like, I just thought, by the end of this, like, we... we one of the things we heard when we were walking out is I heard someone say, like... Man, I didn't see any characters in that movie. Like, have they heard of character development? And to me... People are so dumb. That was just crazy because I was like, this is I, this is the first time that it makes sense that the character that you introduced in the 2015 A-Man movie has now, like... I see this. Like, I see how he's gone from being that guy to then being an Avenger for a second then being in prison and then, then proud of it. Yeah. And then like saving the world and like the way that they oh, yeah. deal with all that stuff with like Thanos, sure. which I thought was hilarious, but also like fitting. And it just, it all like, it, and it felt, it felt so like, because of all that, like what I was saying, and I'm not dismissed. Like I liked the way Scott is represented in Endgame, So I'm not dismissing that, but it's just the way that like now on the other side of that, knowing the part he played, he also brings some confidence where it's like when you see him in that final battle and he just kind of, he like has these moments of just going for it and taking charge and like what you're, like what you're talking about growing and like punching Kang against the wall. It's like, it just, it felt like that version. Well, it felt like Scott Lang was fully, was fully realized to the point where if he had died in that final scene, I would have felt like, yeah, you know, like that's earned. And kind of fun to
0: actually see Cassie in a way portray like the young version of Scott yeah. and Scott now have having matured enough mm-hmm. to be like, there are certain situations where we need to run. Like, this is not our fight. this we're outmatched or, but then like times when we do need to jump in and, and protect somebody. And, right.
1: and way-
0: she's like the really reckless one. She's going to yeah. jail for like wanting to do the right thing.
1: And, and the way that he's, he's like, now influenced by the fact that Cassie's there. I mean, obviously, that's the reason he kind of embarks on the whole mission in the first place.
0: Okay, so much more of this plus some shout-outs on the critical perspective that we want to give after a quick word from these sponsors. Get ready to enter the quantum realm with Marvel Studios' Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania only in theaters February 17th. In anticipation of the next phase of the MCU, we've partnered with Adam Tickets. Heads up to all of our friends from work plus subscribers. Head on over to our Patreon page and check out the exclusive $5 off ticket promo that we are running just for friends from work plus subscribers. This is a first come, first serve, while supplies last code that's valid through March 31 for $5 off a ticket to any movie at an Adam-supported theater, one use per customer. Also, the redemption instructions for this $5 off ticketing promo are listed there on that Patreon page, and you can find a referral link to Adam Tickets in these show notes. Again, that's Adam Tickets. Check out the Adam Tickets app now. All right, so I'll start off and hijack. I'm just going to steal three things from you. Yeah. And we can just have a discussion because I know you feel this way too. Um, I, first of all, I want to give a shout out to Peyton Reed yeah, and Loveness yeah. because, okay, I don't want to sound like a hater, but I did have some questions in how specifically Peyton Reed would handle a movie of a totally different scope like this. I like the first two Ant-Man films. I do. I really do. Yeah. But obviously like this is not, you know, world breaking science here. It's they're a little bit different things. They are right. a little bit of the palate cleanser. They are a little bit of a side story. I mean, one literally came out post a dusting right. and then it was like, Oh, and here's this like kind of fun. And I like it. I think they're executed yeah. well, but they're written by comedy writers. And I did not know with Kang coming into this, with this being the third movie of a trilogy, mm-hmm. how are, th- is that team in particular going to handle this totally different thing? And dude, in okay, in my opinion, Kudos to them. Like, yeah. I feel like there were so many calls made that were just so fresh to me. I get it. There might be some people that think this doesn't feel like an Ant-Man film. It definitely had like a Star Wars right. like right. journey to the center of the Earth feel. I mean, the shot of Kang overlooking an army had a ton of Star Wars parallels yeah. there. And almost Guardians-like in the in the in new the new places and stuff, but uh-huh. almost dare I say like more imagination now it's maybe not, I'm not saying it's more imaginative because Guardians right. maybe did it first, but they even stretch themselves beyond that as far as coming up with extra amounts of creatures right. and like the ships that are alive. And then making the right. joke about like yours aren't alive.
1: Right. Like
0: That level of like a sci-fi script paired with these weird, massive ideas. Some people are going to think it's weird. Like my mom will think this is weird. Yeah. But I love it. I loved it. I felt like I was watching something different. And most of the time, that's all I'm asking for. If, if people have listened to this podcast for a long time, they know that. That's one of the reasons I was obsessed with WandaVision. Like right. we just had Endgame. Oh, my gosh. Give me something entirely different. Don't try to like compete with the thing that you just made that was the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. And they did. They just go, well, let's just totally do a romantic sitcom that turns into like this dystopian grief thing. Right. And that's what I thought it was so genius. And, like, I love this here to just totally be, like, this is way weird. I mean, there's almost parallels to everything everywhere all at once to me in this. Mm. And that, like, it's totally goofy in some of the humor. and yeah. like, But, like, somehow Plane has landed emotionally and, like, plot-wise. Yeah. Even though they're taking on a ton. So that's a lot there. I was going to say shout out to them, too. And then the last thing I just want to say is, it's not the last thing. It's not even close. Last thing. <laughs> Another thing I want to say is shout out to Christoph Beck. I know that on yeah. this podcast we are kind of the music people, um, and so I think a lot of times if we err on the side of being too positive in a category, a lot of times it's probably musically. Like yeah. we often say, "This is a great score. This is a great score." But I spent a lot more time listening to, especially our playlist on Spotify, which by the way, if you're curious, go to journey through the MCU, we get nothing out of it. But if you want cool, uh, songs to listen to, you can find that on spotify only satisfaction o- only satisfaction. Um, we're proud of it. But as I go through that, no, I mean, there are moments in the MCU for sure that don't work as well for me musically, but Everyone who also listens to this podcast knows that I'm obsessed with Christoph Beck. I right. mean, when we we got a chance to interview him and we talked with him yeah. and he literally told me like, Kyle, you're so excited. Robbie can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's from his words. Quote, Christoph Beck.
1: <laughs> Robbie's not able Kyle's to finish called. his questions. <laughs>
0: um, I love him so much, but I, I don't know if I'm taking crazy pills, but like Ant-Man originally was an incredible theme. Ant-Man the Wasp was a score that improved on that. Yeah. Like it got even cooler with the drums and the electronic stuff. He was adding the synth bases and whatnot. And then here, the way he took the same themes, but now made them super grandiose and mm-hmm. like he took a theme that was like, we're on a heist dun, 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 yeah. and sneaking around and turned it into like, I'm a super badass saving the world and yeah. like, ba-na, in like a sad way.
1: Yeah. He,
0: Truly elite in my opinion. Yeah. Like and I'm not just saying that. So my whole disclaimer is to say I'm not just saying that. This for me, in the moment I said to you yeah. three or four times, like this is amazing. No, I cool I can't. Cool king sounds, cool themes. It's just I yeah. so okay. Shout out Reed, shout out Loveness, shout out Beck.
1: In in my silent uh stone faced watching, this I is was still like, hmm. But I was still hitting you several times, which was just my way of of letting you know that the score was
0: now we did get one question from a listener already from our initial tweet about, did he use, he who remains Mm. theme or did he use anything from Loki? And I'll just quickly give a two-parter to that. Yeah, yeah. One, I I didn't catch anything, but I'm not sure now in hindsight, I needed it. Like, I'm not sure there ever was a time where it was super appropriate because it didn't feel like there was a ton of like, direct correlation to that character in Loki. I get it. It's the same person, but like, you know what I mean? It never felt like I needed it in one specific moment. And then my second thing, knowing that I was one of the people that was like, I kind of want to hear him do it. Right. But So I wanted to hear him do it, but I didn't feel let down in that department.
1: Yeah. I think that's, I think that's where I am too. You know, that, that theme is tricky because it's the Loki theme that then becomes the kind of he who remains Theme, but like we're right. getting a Loki well, it, season two.
0: Well, it's kind of the TVA theme.
1: Yeah, that's true. That that's becomes true. That's true. that they
0: use for the Loki title card. Yeah, but I think it's called TVA. Yeah, trying, that's right. Yeah.
1: That's right. So it's like a kind of all a mix, anyways. But yeah, but I'm cu- like I'm curious to see how much of that. Like, I wonder if that's a because the reason I say this is Beck is famous, famously within this podcast good at pulling from other themes when it's appropriate.
0: Right. Go watch um Hawkeye and listen for Elena. Yeah. Listen for uh, even for you from Infinity War. Uh-huh. He
1: in in the in the very no, first no, no, th- from uh, endgame. Or both. Both yeah. Oh, sorry. Even even in uh the first Ant-Man before like this was the craziest thing to me. We had Henry Jackman on the podcast who scored uh Captain America The Winter Soldier and Civil War and also Falcon on the Winter Soldier. And in he talked to us in the interview about how in uh Winter Soldier he had crafted the first part of what he always intended to be the Falcon theme, if he ever got a chance to fully play it out, not knowing if he ever yeah, would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and then that. how he by the time he got to Falcon Winter Soldier, that becomes the theme song for that show. And all of you, our interviews are available on YouTube true uh the henry jackman was especially fun in that he just let us talk to him for way too long like
0: an hour and a half (laughs) Um,
1: and his piano gets involved and it's crazy but uh but the craziest thing is after that interview i was watching ant-man and heard that little snatch of theme where it's like the the like he there's a little like a little bit of the falcon theme that which by the way winter soldier came out in 2014 (laughs) Ant Man's 2015. It's not like Falcon was this character that sure. had like any level of following. So the MCU. you're saying
0: Beck typically does respect that. Yes, really like
1: well. al- like already Beck was like, okay, I'm going to make a point to like pull this theme in just for the little like Ant Man Falcon fight we get there, and then from there on it's like we also got the Avengers theme in Ant Man, and then yes, yeah, all these different projects, WandaVision, like he he. He's is, also
0: as good at creating his own though. Cause like Rwanda's oh, yeah, is, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean like, but man, I, I totally it, it's, agree. I it's totally so agree. good.
0: All I can really do with a score on a first initial reactions at a screener is how well did it move me in the moment emotionally? Cause I don't have any other reference yet. I don't have it on Spotify. can't go back and check it. And yeah. as far as that, it checked that box huge. Like I, I, I loved what he was doing musically on my first watch. As the score is released, we can get into it more and kind of see how it fits with everything else. But I just remember in the moment. Oh, yeah. And I've been wrong before. Like, I I commented on how I I didn't feel a ton of the music in Thor, Love, and Thunder, and now in hindsight, listening to it, it's amazing. So I've been wrong before. But it was amazing in the moment. What did you think about just kind of Reed and Loveness in general? Yeah,
1: so, man, I... uh, The
0: sci-fi of it, I
1: mean... This is what I've been excited to talk about because we so talking again about about Multiverse of Madness um you know Waldron wrote uh and and was the creator for Loki and Kate Heron directed and having just rewatched that I'm reminded of kind of how steady of a hand Kate Heron had and how well that that benefited Waldron's writing style. Like, like if you watch the the balance, yeah. The, the premiere and the finale of Loki, which Waldron, I mean, Waldron, I, I don't think you should just credit those. It's just that those are the scripts that he wrote, but he's, you know, the creator of the show and, and wrote the story. But like, those just are the, are the real showcases for I think like the way that he works with certain directors. And I think we had this conversation after Multiverse of Madness, again, I really enjoyed Multiverse of Madness recognizing that it was kind of it was chaos on some level. And it was sort of like it was can't be chaos. Like because you had you had this kind of film that was in development, and then and then Waldron and and like Raimi came on board and COVID and it was just this like, they you started could, over. Yeah. You could tell they got into a room and they just started hyping each other up on their like crazy ideas. And you could tell that Waldron gave Raimi a script and Raimi was like, this is crazy. And I can make it even crazier. It's kind of like
0: we talk about with gun and Marcus and McFeely as yeah,
1: well. Right. Like there, you can tell when there's a moderating voice in the room and when there's not. And that,
0: Dude, I'm just thinking, like, I wonder how often that's the case with so many things, you know? Yeah. Like maybe part of the reason The Last of Us is working is because it's not just the game maker. It's also right. Greg Mason. Maybe they maybe they have a different, you know,
1: yeah. push and pull on that. I think. I mean, I think that's hugely important. And that's one thing that you and I were talking about this yeah. hours before the movie is I was like, okay, on the one hand, you—, you So
0: you're saying Loveness comes in as, like, let's do sci-fi, yeah. trippy, quantum realm— you know, weirdness, creatures, ships. And, and Reed's like, okay, great. But we got to still make it focused on Hank and hope and right. Scott and Scott still misses his daughter. And maybe there's that.
1: Cause it's like, cause it's like, if you, if you're talking to me about directors in a vacuum and you ask like, to the extent, to the extent the average person on the street is familiar with these directors, if you pitch them, Sam Raimi and Peyton Reed, and in, in terms of which director you more of a fan of, they would say probably Sam Raimi and that he has a following, he has people that, like, know his directorial style. But, yeah, I think Peyton Reed has, like, one, all these other scripts for these films have been written by a collection of people. The first one was especially kind of modeled together because it was the Edgar Wright script that was supposed to be directed by him, and then it was kind of torn apart and rebuilt, and so it's like... So
0: this movie also, yeah, like, also has history.
1: And this is the first time that... We have a script written by one person, so Light Multiverse of Madness, but instead of the— And what else is he working on? Loveness. uh, King Dynasty.
0: Okay, okay. Which, okay, that makes sense. So that's
1: the interesting thing, is we have these two kind of higher-up Rick and Morty writers, alum, that Waldron is doing—he did Loki and then Multiverse of Madness and is writing Secret Wars. And then we have Jeff Loveness, who wrote this and then is going to be writing King Dynasty— So I mean, it's really talking about Marcus McFeely. That's the guy. Those are the guys right now, like in terms of where we're heading. And I just I think it's fascinating because I love both of their their humor is 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 really funny to me, and I love how kind of big and and weird their ideas are, and how I think well those fit within the Marvel comp, just the Marvel universe.
0: They need that director. Yes, like that's that secret wars director is gonna be so important. Well, and that's
1: why, like I've said, and we've talked about different folks. Like, you know, I I, I think, I think someone like like a Coogler, you know, like that that like I yeah I don't. It'll be interesting to see kind of as we see more directors sh- show up, like, or maybe like a Shackman, or like like something yeah, someone different. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that here is just from from, and again, you know, we'll see what critics say and, and how that changes things. But like, you know, I will say one thing I respect. This is an aside, I guess, but one thing I really respect Kevin Feige for is Waldron kind of got like he got a little bit ripped apart for the the multiverse of Madness script. like as much as I ever remember a particular writer being called out for a film, like I guess a
0: writer, everyone easy. Yeah. Like
1: I, but I feel like people aren't normally, like I, I never heard people be like Thor, the dark world, man, Marks McFeely really screwed that up. Like they all blame the director, but in multiverse of madness, people were like Sam Raimi, a plus Michael Waldron, bad script. And I love that Kevin Feige was like, okay, well yeah, you get to write secret wars. Like I, and it's the same thing he did with Marcus and McFeely, right? Like, they got... Because they had Thor the Dark World, which everyone says is, like, the worst Marvel movie ever, and then they get brought back to do Winter Soldier and then Civil War, and then they wind up writing Infinity War and Endgame. Like, my my aside being, that is the thing that, like, whenever these companies are super reactionary and short-sighted, they're like, Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Like, Big this picture. didn't get a good review. Like, I'm going like, to, like, let's back up. And then they never have the wherewithal or the gumption to, like, stick through and follow follow a plan where it might be going. And, like, again, if if Kevin Feige had, after Thor the Dark World, been like, well, this was a disaster, no more of these writers, then we wouldn't have... I mean, most of my favorite movies in the MCU were written by those guys. And so I, I an really... Point. Yeah, I, I appreciate... Like, that is a unique thing, I think, within a studio. But I do, like... That said, I think that this is an instructive thing, like having a steady hand on the wheel like Peyton Reed's and then a kind of crazy, like all over the place writer like Loveness gives you like, I thought it was the funniest Ant-Man movie to me personally. And I know some people might disagree because I know it's super wacky and like the MODOK stuff, your mileage will vary, but i like I love it because it 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 like it's doctor Strange, I could you know there are moments where it gets away from itself a bit, and I thought that for as wild as this gets, yeah,
0: yeah, I think I'm a little bit in that camp. I'm a little bit of the fan that I really like Michael Waldron's writing, but I think I like it more when there's a Kate Heron too right. Like, cause I think for me, there are parts of multiverse of madness where I feel like we just, we, it got away from us. Yeah. And I wonder if that's not because I dislike Sam Raimi or I dislike Michael Waldron, but it's the combo of nobody being like, nah, you know? Right. Cause I'm now thinking about all the times where I feel like that's happened. Maybe the only time that you could argue it's not happening is the Rousseau's with Marcus McFeely, just because I don't feel like the Rousseau's are pushing the, like the weirdness vibe right. that need to be reined in. But those still obviously work is my point. But most of the time I like when gun has someone to go through it. Right. I like when Waldron has somebody to help talk, talk it through, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think that's why, I guess in summary, why I'm still really impressed about this film though, because again, I'm not going to rank it yet, but I really liked this. Yeah. Like I need to watch it more times and I'm sure with a movie like this that I like this much on the first viewing, it might go down on a couple watches. But this would be high up for me already is my point. Yeah. Like this would be up there already. Um, There was – to me, there was so many – there were so many Ragnarok parallels where I say like you took a character that was doing something – for not just his solo two films, but also was doing kind of the same, the same shtick mm-hmm. in the other appearances. And then someone came in and said, we need to totally shake it up. And in both cases in that with Tyka and Loveness here, I felt like it worked. Like the shakeups were all the right calls mostly.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and that's the the final thing I was going to say before I forget on Loveness is, is what I love is there's the shakeup, but also I, Like, the the Hank and and Janet shout-outs earlier, I I think Loveness should get credit for. Yes. But also, like, the fact, like, those... Just instead of
0: not just killing them off, but making them, like, central figures that actually have, like, backstory now all of a sudden.
1: Yeah, because I told you going in, I was like, yeah, I bet, like, Hank or Janet get, like, because, you know, they haven't really known what to do with those characters. And instead of that, which is the easy thing to do, like, I almost appreciate that we didn't have any character deaths in this because I know we used to talk about how Marvel doesn't do deaths well, but there's also a point at which, like, that becomes an easy, dramatic moment. Sure. You know, and, and I think— Talk about
0: the, that so much. There's a fine line there.
1: Yeah, but, but I, what I also really appreciated here is, like, as people that have watched these, all these movies way too many times, uh, I really appreciated the fact that Loveness has, too. <laughs> like, he went back— Like, all these little— Like, the Orange Slices reference from Civil War, like— Every interview I see from him
0: makes me like him and trust him more. It's one of these yeah. people where it's like when you you hear him talk, you're like, dang, good. Like I'm glad we chose this guy. Like he yeah. knows all the comics. He knows all the films. He knows all the details about him. He loves it. Mm-hmm. He's passionate about where it goes and he wants to do fresh things. Like go read, go read stuff. I it's mean, amazing.
1: That's the, to me, like that's the thing. Like you can have someone that comes in, especially like a, a younger-ish yeah. writer. That's right, like, It's not
0: just to blow it up to blow it up.
1: And, yeah, it's not like, oh, well, like, I'm going to come in and do something interesting and, like, screw all it this had stuff. It been like, sucky, so here's yeah. the way to do it. It's like, no, I want to do something interesting that, again, like what you were saying is additive. So it's like, like to
0: honor what happened. He
1: makes a point to, like, all of this stuff. Like, going back to all, like, specifically a lot of stuff from the first Ant-Man film, from Civil War, some, like, really funny, like, the the bits of Scott's book that we get that are, like, Scott recapping in game. And, like, like it was all... Then I was a baby. Was I Hulk's baby? <laughs> was I Hulk's baby? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was just happy to talk to a talking raccoon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's, like, all of... He... And I'm not saying that that's, like, the hardest thing in the world, to watch all the Paul Red stuff from the MCU. But I just think it's a conscious choice to respect that and to actually want to work that in rather than just, like, come in and, and like, flip the table over.
0: So here's something regarding his writing that I might change my opinion on in the future. This is almost like a backhanded compliment.
1: Okay.
0: There were parts early on. Let me say this. There were times where I thought maybe not every joke worked, Mm. but this is so weird. I, I almost loved the, the way it didn't work. It wasn't like, a swing and a miss. It was like it was it wasn't like a matzo ball hanging out that now you feel stupid that you tried the joke and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. It was like it created an awkward tension that was like, I think the point. Like there yeah. were some there were some moments at that, I don't even know how to explain it. There were some moments at that first dinner sequence where they're talking about the fact that Cassie's been to jail. Right. That I didn't know that were super funny, but then like in the awkward silence, I felt like, oh, this is like an awkward family that's working through something yeah. in like the yeah. way I should be feeling, even though that joke wasn't like perfect. Right. So it, it almost sounds like I'm, I'm I'm, making excuses, but it was just like, I enjoyed that I felt uncomfortable yeah. in that moment, yeah. in the times when it didn't land. Like no, yeah. No, I see that. And then the 90% of the time it did land were right. like doubles, triples, and home runs for me with some of the jokes. So- Yeah. Yeah, I didn't – even though this movie was, like, really goofy and funny, I didn't feel the, like, Guardians 2 thing where I look back and go, man, take that one out or that was forced and too far. Like, for the most part, I thought it was really well balanced. I could see some people just thinking, like, the, the Darren thing is, like, way too weird. I thought it was hilarious. Right. But, like, maybe that's, like, the version of the GOATs.
1: Yeah, Where it's right, like right.
0: we kept coming back to it right. but every time it made me laugh. But if you don't get into it, then you can see how like maybe it, you're tired right. of it at the end. But I even thought like down to the last one when Hope's like, Darren, <laughs> what? It still was funny. You changed your hair. Yeah, it still was funny. Um, um, two more shout outs from me yeah like I said, I think the acting all around was good, so congratulations on all the acting, including again what Marvel does so well, the side actors, like even uh-huh. the voice actors for the creatures and'm I'm, I'm sorry, I'm blanking her name, but the other like rebel leader uh girl oh, yeah. I thought she did a good job
1: um well, and William Jackson Harper as the the telepath yes, which i I'm so curious to see like. That he was not he was a fan cast as Reed Richards for a while. Oh, uh, obviously not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. But I I like I loved his stuff here, and I hope that that's a character that we see again.
0: So take this now with a grain of salt because I thought it was all good. I'm not sure there was like spectacular like Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight. You know, episode mm-hmm. four or five. Elizabeth Olsen, episode eight of, you know, like Paul Bettany. I'm not sure I felt that there was that level. Like, I'm not pitching this movie for the best supporting actress role or actor sure. role. No, I'm like Angela I, Bassett. Yes, exactly. I don't say that as a slight because, like, right. I think for me, ugh, I don't want to rank anything yet, but like, I think I maybe even enjoyed this more than Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I think right. I did. But that doesn't mean I'm just nominating everyone for a award right. so that's what I'm trying to say. Right. But amongst a good acting crew, obviously I think Jonathan majors did a good job and I don't even want to say this in a bad way. Shout out Jonathan majors. I'm so stoked for him as Kang. I'm not sure he was like so much better than he was in Loki that all of a sudden I'm like, now my eyes are open. Is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah, like yeah. I already was pumped. Right. It met my expectations. And I'm excited to see what they do. Yeah. As far as the character roles and stuff. And his performance is great. But I'm not like, I, I knew that, I guess. Yeah. I guess here's my whole long story. Michelle Pfeiffer was the one to yeah. me that like yeah. everybody was good. But then I thought she was like great, yeah. especially considering like if there was anybody that could have felt out of place, it's her, right? She wasn't a part of the right. first movie at all. She was hardly a part of the second one because you don't mm-hmm. see her till the end. And then just it's Michelle Pfeiffer. You're like, that's not the casting I would think. Yeah. I'm just looking here. at
1: Michelle Pfeiffer.
0: Right. This is not like, yeah, you don't think Michelle Pfeiffer, sci-fi quantum realm. Right. Like, at least I don't.
1: <laughs> I think Catwoman personally, but.
0: And yet I thought she had depth. I thought yeah. she had some good emotion. I thought the mystery of like, oh, is she actually kind of bad? Like, yeah. why is she telling us was good? Um, yeah. So I love, that was one of my last shout outs. Sh- shout out, Michelle. No,
1: that's such a great shout out. I, and I had that written down as well. I also love that she and Hank both kind of have that like morally gray thing. You know, like they're both like, neither of them are are fully 100% heroes. Like they've both kind of done shadier things and, and hooked are, up with Linda or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> up with Linda. She wasn't you, baby. Um, but I. No, I, I I agree. One thing I, I I will say, I, and I think I'll give this to to read because I feel like I often knock directors when when performances aren't honed in, especially when when there are actors that I associate normally with turning in great performances. And I, I you know in, in rewatching the A-Man films, I noticed that even. Even Paul Rudd, there are a couple of lines with him in the in the first films that don't quite land for me, which is rare for Paul Rudd. Hmm. But I don't know if I'd go there are but. But even more with Michael Douglas sure. and Evangeline Lilly. Like a lot. Yeah. And for there sure. there were none of those in this movie for me. Like that was the biggest thing. And I don't know who should. I mean, they obviously get the credit in turning into performances. But I also feel like Peyton Reed really dialed something in because True. what he was getting out of it. If we're going to
0: criticize him, you got to also give him credit. Yeah. Like, it's like a sports golden rule.
1: I, I really feel like I've come to expect, and I think this is part of why my expectations were a little bit lower, is I knew that we were going to get a decent amount of. And I love Michael Douglas. Like, American President is like say. one of my favorite movies ever. But. This is not his legacy role. Right. Like I felt, I felt like Michael Douglas has phoned in a, a good bit of his MCU work and I did not feel that way in Quantumania. Hmm. I felt like he was like, I felt like Evangeline Lilly. This is the, this is the, the most I've cared about Evangeline Lilly since lost. Nothing I've seen her in since lost has lived up to the expectations I had from lost.
0: Yeah. I don't even know what,
1: yeah. And then we have these moments that we're talking about, like, Something happened on set, and again, everyone should get credit, but I just, like, the performances there were locked in in a way that, to me, they were not in in previous iterations, specifically with the cast that we've seen before, and so I was like, maybe that gives me a, a, you know, maybe I'm biased now in the other direction, because I think I was maybe a little bit more negative on those performances than other people were in the first two. Yeah, sure. Me too, probably. But I do feel like it, like, I don't know. It, it was weird. Like, something, Michael Douglas especially, I just thought, like, really, like, woke up all of a sudden and started turning in some, like, A-plus work here.
0: So I think he turned in good work. I think I'd probably disagree with you a little bit in, in just how maybe intense <laughs> you're you're feeling about that one. Like, I I don't
1: think he's great in the first two at all. I don't think he's bad. I just, w- when I say phone it in, like, I don't, you know. Sure. You can, I phone I'm things in all the time.
0: <laughs> and I'm phoning this right
1: now. Like, but I, I don't mean, like, I think, you know, when I say that, I mean, like, he. He got by. I just don't think – I've never I've never talked saying. to someone after watching the Ant-Man movies and heard them say, you know what I loved about that? Michael Douglas.
0: You know the only person who's ever said that? Al Ewing. Al Ewing. <laughs> That's he true. Did, he pointed that out. That's true. He avoided your Scott question to answer what they That's were doing. That's true.
1: That is true. I have heard that um, from our Ant-Man uh, creator.
0: My last shout-out, at least at 1 in the morning here in California, is uh, – and and, you know, I could be wrong on this – Again, maybe people are going to crush this, but visually, I mean, there were a couple sequences that felt like I haven't seen the new avatar, but almost felt like avatar when they're, they're like riding that creature and the camera's panning. So they're almost like going downhill and it's like the wing of the creature was going through water. Yeah, It was like really colorful. And I thought there were sequences that were spectacular.
1: Well, and and two and two back score like I thought was the was the thing like the visuals paired with the score was like magical I, in those I, scenes especially I
0: guess it's like we've talked about this before it's almost multifaceted yeah where it's like yeah the 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 music but the actual technical um, like yeah, nature yeah. of the VFX like how is it going right and then the actual like creativity of the world building of the visuals. Like there were, there were times where I thought all those matched up. Like it looked really believable. Mm -hmm. Like the actual effects were animated. Well paired with an awesome song paired with, it's actually just really creative. Like the the creature they're on, what the waterfalls look like in the background, the ships they're flying by. I mean, dude, even like, even like the visual of when Michelle Pfeiffer is first, like one of the first sequences of the whole movie, she's in like her little hut and she sees that ship crash and like, there's a dread on her face and the way she runs to it like that. If you remember that, it looks like there's like holes in the galaxies kind of, it's all just creative. And I thought a lot of it looked really good.
1: No, I, yeah, I totally agree. I think the, I was, I kept thinking about the visuals throughout in terms of, um, I told I told you this we've had uh we've had Dan Gavaz done on our podcast before, and one thing I always hear him bring up is how interesting is the location you know like the set design for where some of these fights are taking place, and you know granted we're in the quantum realm, but even within the quantum realm, like the inside of of like King's dungeon or or palace or like control room versus like these different areas, like the bar that they go to with bill Murray. bill Murray was also a a fun character that we haven't really talked about but I thought also did a great job. Um also the fact that he gets eaten by the thing that he ate when it's made giant was really funny. Uh but then like also like That was like, a cool escape by the way. Yeah, dude. How it was choreographed? So many of those little fight scenes were really fun. And yeah, like there and several were several times like, where we were like hitting each other cuz like yeah. this is really fun to Cause watch Cuz the music was
0: awesome too and it wasn't overly drawn out. It was like a cool slick little move that they did. Dude, and it was just and, and like, it never felt like the fight got like out of control towards like, is this adding to the story? Right. It's like they would do it just enough to get to the ship and made sense.
1: And I think it, it was just like looking back on it again, just b- because you said that Ant-Man. The ants showing up. Oh, so cool. The first time we see the, the, the first Ant-Man film, you know, Scott's learning to be Ant-Man. And then the second one, Hope has become the Wasp and is great, and Scott's using the, like, the joke is he's using the suit that doesn't totally work. We only got a bit of him in Civil War. Sure. We don't get a ton of, like, Ant-Man, Ant-Man stuff Mm -hmm. in-game even. Like, it's Mm -hmm. more just him bringing the time travel tech. And so this is the first time I feel like we've really gotten to see, like, Scott and Hope, like, on their A-game, like, going for it. Without
0: Scott being able to use ants, which is interesting. But then they've redeemed that part by having basically whatever Gandalf on the fifth day show up with, you know, look to the East. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and I,
1: and I love that being like Hank's thing because it's like, that has always been Hank's like a little weird. And like they give shout outs there, but like just those little fight scenes, like there were so, again, I want to call out Evangeline Lilly on, on like, I never, I just never quite, quite, quite bought it in the earlier films. And then here I'm like,
0: I, I think, think she's rooting a lot, for
1: her like up and down in this movie. I think she's a lot better in the second one than the first one. She is, yeah, yeah.
0: One of the biggest things going against her is that her nickname is Jelly Bean, which is just a terrible nickname, objectively. Peanut, excellent nickname. <laughs> call my daughter Peanut all the time. Jelly Bean, doesn't work. See, now my I, wife and I hate it when she's like, my little Jelly Bean. I'm like, stop. Now I have, it doesn't work. Now, also, now she's I have like to have a child
1: now. so I can call <laughs> I'll that have child a Jelly bean
0: children's names power rankings list
1: <laughs> peanut one jelly bean like seventy six. Do you call your child Peanut because of Ant Man? I don't know.
0: But well, that has is to my, be. that, is my, be, that right? is my go
1: to nickname for Violet all the time. So. It's in. I mean, it's in your brain now. <laughs> We've been podcasting longer than you've been a father, so I have to believe. <laughs> but- As we
0: wrap, do you have anything that would fall in the like questions category? I mean, do you have? I'm sitting here thinking, like you were talking, I'm thinking like normally this is when we would do like a what doesn't work or right. a um like a question, like what's the lingering question? Um I don't have much. And then I'm thinking i then I'm thinking like I'm going through this whole like yeah. metaphysical thought process where I'm like, is that mean I'm saying this is a perfect movie? Like I mean, I and I don't think it is. I'm I'm sure I'll find things, I think but we'll, in the and moment, we'll reflect
1: on it and and but I, that's the joy of this, right? Like I I'm so I think that's why I'm, I'm so high on this is it's hard sometimes when you go to these and, and you're thinking critically and, and, and you want it to be certain things and you don't want it to be other things. And this movie just hit that sweet spot for me of being a ton of fun. And yeah, later we might come back and find some issues, but
0: this is not an issue. I, I mean, I would say that I'm not, I was never like moved to tears by any of the emotional moments. Like I thought they were well done and they were fun, but like I'm not, you know, Last of Us choked up. I'm not, I wasn't there ever for me. But, so, but did it ever, was it ever trying to get? I don't you know. There? So then maybe that's what people say is the lack of stories, like something like that. Again, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of a reason it's not perfect. But see, but see perfect. I,
1: I, I would say like I did feel like that final scene. Like I was saying, where I thought Scott was going to be killed, or just at least like separated from Cassie again, and and like I felt, I felt that like I I I wasn't like moved to tears, but I don't think that it was supposed to be a tear worthy moment. But I did feel, I I felt very emotionally invested, and and I like, did too. You know, like that whenever it, he like breaks Scott's arm almost, and it's like, but I I think. It was more Infinity War feelings for me than it was like in-game, I I should say.
0: I think if there are people out there listening to this right now that didn't like it, I'm guessing it's just that in general, you maybe weren't going to like it. And what I mean by that is like maybe Ant-Man as a character is already like a line too far or... Or you, like, or, or you like Ant-Man as the palate cleanser and you right. don't want Ant-Man to have to carry any, like, heavy
1: lifting. Um, you like Ant-Man as the, like, accessible.
0: And, and or I'm just thinking of, like, my mom, where it's, like, she loves the first two Ant-Man movies because she loves, like, the relationship between him and right. Hope, and, like, the more hallmark it gets, the better it is for my mom. So I'm thinking, uh-huh. like, this is probably just too weird for her. So like, there's probably people out there like that. But as far as, like, like Ragnarok, if you are at all willing to embrace the genre they're trying to accomplish, it is near perfect yeah. if you are in that realm already. And then, I mean, in general, we say this every time. I just want to end on this. Like I I loved it in the theater. And then we're walking out and we overheard literally just as we're walking a couple different groups of people being like eh, or like. There wasn't, like you said, there wasn't much story or character work. And I'm like, that's like literally all I heard, like three people. So maybe this movie has 2% by the time people listen to this. I don't know that. But I just, two things. I'm reminded of like, I don't even, first of all, I didn't feel that at all. I loved it. And I'm kind of like, how can I be so different from this person next to me as far as like how they're perceiving it? And the second thing is like, And I don't say this to belittle that person as a human being, but I don't want to be like that. Like I said to you, like I don't want to have to hear all the critiques and then start guessing. Like, do I have to second guess my reaction that I liked it? Do I have to like start thinking that like I'm lame if I think it's cool? Right. And so I'm just like, I'm not listening to that and I'm going to go home and record our our podcast. And I I guess I say that to say like, you're allowed to dislike it, but I liked it a lot and I'm not ashamed of it. I don't care who knows it. And I want to be the person that adds fun to you if you liked it versus the the guy who takes it away when you liked it and and I can tell you all the reasons you shouldn't like it. Yeah. So I'm always going to err on that side. I mean – And that's not to say that every movie is perfect. Right. I don't love Falcon and the Winter Soldier that much.
1: Right. I don't – and I don't – like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, Katrina.
0: I'm so sorry. Other than that –
1: Katrina's like, yes, exactly. Not enough Bucky. Thank you, Kyle. Yeah, yeah, (laughs)
0: you're amazing.
1: I – my my final thought i guess to re- to redeem uh my failure to start here would be i i'm i'm i see what you mean and that like jonathan major's performance wasn't revolutionary compared to or or following up he who remains i think what Still i lo- thought it was really good Yo, no 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 for sure i'm not saying you were you were dissing it i i think what i love about it though is i saw some of the interviews with him prior to this about how he is really with each of these variants wanting to uh, totally wipe his brain and, and come to Christians, it. obviously. And it's, yeah, I mean, it it's, I, so I, again, I just like just watched the Loki finale and. These felt different. It's different. Yeah. And uh, man, I mean, that's still like such a great, but like in that you see the the guy that that's like gone almost kind of insane by being alone for so long at the end of time. But like, there's still the connectivity, and that the origin he gives there matches up with what we get from Kang here. But Kang here is like so serious and and warlike. I mean, it, it's like mm-hmm. he—he's
0: Yeah. He's a conqueror. Yeah, it's it's like that's a, different than he who remains.
1: And you, but you, but you still get that line in, in Loki where he's like, "I've been called a conqueror." It's like so you see, it's these different facets. But majors, like I just, I think what I'm. Two things. One, I'm so impressed by already the range that he's displayed just within this character. Like, I think Jonathan Majors, if you followed his career, has an insane range as an actor, period. But I think it's one thing to have range as an actor. It's another thing to have range within, like, variants of a particular character, Like, you know, like you watch Loki, for instance, and you watch Tom Hiddleston, and this is not a – this is like, that's the way he's supposed to be playing the characters is the idea is all the Lokis are kind of the same. But here, like, this is a different – yeah, yeah. yeah, so I'm not – that's not a Tom Hiddleston fault. I just mean it's a different kind of challenge to make them, like, still connected beyond the fact that it's just the same actor to where you can pick up, like, underlying hints – But then also make them feel like you're you in like in some ways like you look at He Who Remains. It's like what Willem Dafoe would do when he was swapping back and forth from like the Green Goblin and Norman, where he can transform his face such that like it looks like you're looking at different people, even though you can tell it's the same actor. Sure. Like Majors has that quality like amped up, and the second part of that thought, which is kind of my final thing moving forward, is. I'm just, I'm I'm genuinely so excited that we have him for this next saga. Like, for whatever that looks like, however many other films we get besides King Dynasty, like, I love how bought in he is. And I love, like I was saying, like, with Thanos, it took us a while to get, any of thanos and then it took us till infinity war to get the version of thanos that we actually know yeah and the fact that we've already gotten this much screen time with him that it's been so good and like we were saying before like i love that yes we have like i I like that they're sticking to the blue like masks at, at times for kang but the fact that like so much of it doesn't require prosthetics like so much of it is just
0: and, and yeah, and that's not a slight on Thanos, but yeah, just the fact that it can just be his face. Yeah. I just did a solo movie club episode over on Friends from Work Plus. Yeah. And that was one of my takeaways from watching a totally different genre is like, Yep, I'm thankful that he is the one that we're hitching our, our wagon to.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Our horse to. Pitch the horse or the, wa- <laughs> you hitch the wagon? The wagon
0: to the horse. But no, that's
1: that's true. It's To me, it's twofold. It's the character, like, so far. Yes, and, I, and I, like... Yes, we talked about the character. Yeah, yeah. And, and I want to give Waldron some credit there, too, because yes. I, I think that Cam- He Who Remains introduction was so powerful.
0: But also But the also actor. the actor, yeah. I
1: mean, I, I just, on that front, like, with all of the... Because it's been, you know, it's been a weird year, I think you can say, for the MCU... Uh, with with some of the like, there, some of the shows we loved, people didn't didn't like, and and some of the shows we didn't like, people loved. Like it's like it's just been a polarizing thing at certain points, but like regardless, I don't know. Like I feel really excited and really confident. So do I to have like a, a villain like that that's at the heart of where we're going. Oh. We loved it. Can
0: you tell Um, (laughs) if you are a friends from work truther, we have a couple of different things we want to organize for you after a quick word from these sponsors. All right, just as we're going to get you out on this, um, Robbie and I have had a lot of downtime since like Wakanda Forever was what? Mid-November, and then we didn't have anything all of December or January. Now we're in February. Um, And besides the special presentations, I get it, everyone out there. Um, But we've been spending a lot of time kind of formulating what does each outlet look like for us on friends from work? And we're getting really excited about what this could look like to have these different avenues clearly organized. And that's not to say we're going to be like more rigid, but we have a game plan. Now, I think kind of going into all these different facets, facets of it, nothing is final yet, but we kind of wanted to give you a quick little teaser of where we're at with this right now. So again, this is evolving, but if you're a longtime listener, I think it's beneficial for you to know kind of what to expect. So over on Friends from Work Plus, our vision there is obviously, you know, the ad-free episodes, discounted merch, those kind of perks as well. The artwork that gets mailed to you. Um, you which questions
1: artwork is
0: maybe my favorite. It's it's growing on me like crazy. Um, so you'll get made mailed that at the end of the year. There's there's other perks, obviously, but on the actual episode front, we kind of want friends from work plus to be what we originally thought it would be, which is like an even deeper dive into the MCU. So like, Oh, you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp is coming out. Here's where you could, well, Al Ewing was on the main feed, but here's where normally you would go listen to Al Ewing, listen to Candace and Robbie talk about these Ant-Man comics ahead of time. And then here's Kyle watching a movie that has an actor, has a director, like Mm -hmm. what can we learn from that director, actor, composer, et cetera, before the film. And then, any, like, really deep dive conversation, like a look at right. power rankings or things like that, that's kind of going to live on Friends from Work Plus. And that does include, like, a Daredevil rewatch
1: before right.
0: Daredevil shows up, a deeper look into what makes Daredevil Daredevil. Like
1: we will t- – Katrina, we will do yeah. a Fantastic <laughs> we will do, we, yeah, we will
0: Two <laughs> shout-outs for Katrina. We will do that. Um, but no – or, like, maybe even a Blade rewatch before oh, Blade yeah. or yeah. – um, maybe some more X Men stuff before any kind of X Men thing like right. really become the fold.
1: Uh, Which, centerfold? By the way, the the like an example. Of the movie club that I really loved is the one you did with uh, with Jojo Rabbit ahead of Love and Thunder because I feel like yeah, it's such a great like it, there are certain projects where you can I really I, I think you can learn a lot about what those creators are bringing
0: and, and and I did Devotion. Now that I've seen this movie, I might go back and do another one on Last black man in uh, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, you know, who is San Francisco? (laughs) That was funny. What (laughs) is earth? Who's earth? Um, That's kind of what we're thinking on the friends from work plus side. That's not, that's not a a change from what we've been trying to do. Um, The main feed, will say the main feed we have, the initial reactions episode, we have a reflection and sometimes interviewing the creators or the cast, um, you know, three weeks, four weeks after the films come out, after we have had time, we'll rank it on those episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, we have the saga so far as that help build up to the, um, the, the release of the films. And then we have the weekly coverage of the MCU shows that are happening when they're happening. Um, On top of that, you know, our normal discussions that break out on, uh, everyday MCU topics. Um, couple of things there though. One, um, we were experimenting with soccer so far this week. Um, we're going to change how we're doing that. We love the scripted video we were able to come up with, especially for the YouTube outlet. So be on the lookout for the one we did, uh, for this version of Ant-Man, um, it's just a really fun way for us to do something different. I think we can really add to that space. Our goal with that like 10 minute or less video is that you can show that to someone who's never seen one of these films and take them with you. Mm -hmm. Um, and they may get more enjoyment out of it knowing that backstory, but we're going to go back to still doing a normal conversation soccer so far on the actual podcast. There was external circumstances that changed that last time, but that's another example of what the main feed is going to be. Here's what I'm getting at. um, there have been times in the past where Robbie and I talked about a movie like The Batman that has nothing to do with the MCU and there's no director crossover mm-hmm. or anything, or um, Into the Spider Verse. I know we did. Um, help me out. Other examples. The but, Dark Knight. Yeah, The Dark Knight. But there are just quite a few. I'm going I'm to guess 12 to 15 projects a year that Robbie and I both are so passionate about that we want to get into.
1: That are not superhero-related. That are not
0: superhero-related. And we don't think it maybe works best to have that on the friends from work main feed all the time. So, and this is where it's still flexible, in the near future, we're excited for you guys to be on the lookout for a an additional, I don't want to use the word spinoff, <laughs> but an additional podcast that will show up on your main feed still, mm-hmm. but under a different name that will include all of our other passions in film, TV, et cetera. So just as a teaser, maybe everything, everywhere, all at once can be on there. Maybe before the new mission impossible comes out, Robbie and I are both obsessed with mission impossible. We could take you back through the old mission impossible right. and do an episode on that. Maybe Indiana Jones before Indiana Jones comes out, maybe a last of us series rap. Cause we both are loving that. If severance season two lives up to what season one was a wrap of that. So, 12 to 15 times a year on the friends from work main feed, you'll see another podcast and that's Robbie and I talking about those other films.
1: Do you want to add anything there? I mean, I, it, it, I think we're just, I'm really excited to dive into that stuff. And I think you and I have been, have been talking about this for a while. Um, Those are projects that I think we'll be able to talk about. We will have more to talk about than we have time to, to correct. Talk. <laughs> so correct. I think uh, I think that's gonna be really fun. And our hope also is that if if you listen to the show and you enjoy it and you have friends that you think would enjoy it, but they're just maybe not Marvel folks, then maybe there's a show that you can pass along because we we love like we just love the community here. We love talking about movies that we love and shows that we love and i think and maybe in turn they'll become
0: marvel fans true Who knows? true
1: gateway drugs <laughs> I,
0: I, I drugs are so bad i think
1: <laughs> i my my uh what is that a uh, super eight my yeah. my oh man guys, i never drugs. saw i never saw <gasps> super 8. i have it on 4k randomly and i've never seen it. guys
0: drugs are so bad it's one of the
1: best <laughs> lines in the movie i uh my 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 like Closing note of of this pitch, but also of this show and, and, and images, we're kind of entering a new, a new season of Friends from Work. What you were saying earlier about being, erring more on the side of highlighting the things that you love than highlighting the things that you hate. Uh, I'm not going to be cheesy about it. Look, like, <laughs> don't. If, if you don't like something, you don't like it. Like, don't. I'm not. You're not negative if you don't like a thing. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying, like,
0: I don't like the Green Bay Packers.
1: What? <laughs> Why are you so negative? Uh, I my thing is, what's going to be fun about this this feed is Kyle and I are never going to select a movie or a show to discuss to that try. we don't enjoy. And so if if we're a little
0: bit swimming upstream there like countercultural and that like we don't we want to add joy to these things yeah.
1: I just don't I, there's enough of it like if you yeah. if you want to see something get shredded to pieces like go to twitter.com <laughs> and you can that's there for you in spades uh I don't have the emotional energy to provide that and 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 I it's <sighs> I get I get I love I think that there there are so many things out there right now that are being made that that have so much good in them and and there's so much that you can dig into the more time you spend with them. And I'm just already thinking about like
0: how fun it'd be for someone who doesn't get into Mission Impossible for us to like walk you through why they're unbelievable action movies. And you don't think you like Christopher Nolan? Let me before Oppenheimer show you (laughs) or Oppenheimer, show you all the reasons why Christopher Nolan's a
1: badass. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just there's it's gonna be it's gonna be really fun. It's really fun to talk about great shows and movies, and and I think that they're like this year. We were talking about this. The reason why we're so passionate about getting this going is it's like a it's an embarrassment of riches in terms of the yeah. blockbuster stuff. I that already we've got named like seven pipe. of them. Yeah, yeah. So stay tuned.
0: Yeah, and then the last note. Um, we've we love these initial reactions, and we love the weekly Disney Plus shows. So don't hear me say that otherwise. But originally the podcast was fo- was founded on rewatches. Like it was a rewatch of something that we knew we already loved from 10 years ago with Iron Man. Like, so we already knew ahead of time what our emotional tie was to that. So like watching it again for the first time in five years, whatever, was really, really fun. And we want to a little bit get back to that in the main feed as well. Right. So one of the things we're going to start working in is going back. Through the phase four rewatch, but not doing a weekly thing, or not just doing one summary like we did, but maybe doing like an episode per project just like it was mm-hmm. back when we would label it RW Rewatch right. 14. And I could do this all day, or whenever right. we entitled it, or catastrophe, right? Which was fun. Doing something like that for WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier, Eternals, Shang-Chi, etc. Mm-hmm. Now that it's been two years in some cases since some of those things happened, we have watched them five, six times. Now we have a chance to actually go back and rewatch them. So bringing a little bit more of the rewatch vibe to the main feed. Yeah. So again, that was a lot of talking, but friends from work plus being a deeper dive into the MCU, the main feed, having a little bit more of the rewatch flair on top of the things we do leading up to the movies and then adding a podcast that starts covering other films, but you won't have to resubscribe. It will be on the main feed. Yep. Wow. I'm exhausted, guys. It's 1 a.m., 3 a.m. body time. I'm almost hitting that 24-hour mark. Jeez. Um, love everybody. This was so much fun. I, I would love to hear from people if you had qualms with Ant-Man and the Wasp Media. Don't think that we always just think everything is perfect. That being said, I loved it so much, and I was so happy to be here with you in California talking about it. So um, as always – Thank you. You can rate, review, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast on our website. You can buy merch. You can donate the ffwpodcast.com. You can reach out to us. We answer those contact form questions. Um, and then be on the lookout for some of these new things that we've been teasing. And then as of this season, don't forget you can subscribe to us on YouTube where you can get these podcast episodes in video form if you want to watch them, like you do on Spotify. Or you want to see a few other bonus videos like uh, Movie Club or me streaming video games or Saga So Far, those kind of things. So YouTube as well.
1: And the easiest way to get to all this stuff is the podcast.com. So if we're throwing a lot of things at you, you can, reach, that was a lot. you can reach everything through there. But it is, yeah, there's a lot of, we named a lot of things because... Kyle and I have been talking about this a lot, um, and there's a lot to be excited about. So
0: We say that, and we're underselling it. People have no idea how
1: much we actually <laughs> brainstorm it.
0: We love all of you out there. Thank you so much if you made it this far. Hope yes. you enjoyed Amen in the Wash. Go see it again, and we'll talk to you next week here on Friends from Work.
1: Thank you, Spider-Man. <laughs> the bug, the big guy, the bug. <laughs>